All right. I'm going to keep this short. I'm going to keep it sweet so that everybody has a chance to listen to this before we play on Tuesday. So last time, we completely botched a uh, a break-in of Emerald's yacht. It went terribly. Uh, but everybody, everybody managed to get away and uh, settled in for a good night's sleep to uh, nurse their wounded egos. Next morning, they talk about options. They talk about maybe taking out the drug dealers Veritas told them about to get their drug supply to play on the caravan that's coming from the north. But people are worried about hanging on to drugs for a little too long. Moonstar especially, he's kind of worried they'll get busted. Uh, they talk about, you know, maybe we should uh, send, you know, the sneaky Merrick to follow Emerelda around, see what's going on with her. Ty volunteers to go down to the docks and take sailing lessons because he thinks they can hijack her yacht, the one that they just tried busting into and failed miserably. Uh, yeah, mo- most people aren't on board with the idea because of all the things that can go wrong with that. <laughs> so they, they they decide, you know, everyone's just going to take an off day to, to scatter and do whatever they want. Uh, Ty, he goes off and takes sailing lessons. Merrick, he goes and shadows Emerelda to get down her routine. Gesh, he just can't stay away from the casino, so he goes gambling. Moonstar, he's going to go track down a cartographer, get get an idea of what the land around Caprook is like. And Cecil goes to, you know, the Temple of Erroneus to learn more about Emerelda from his brethren there. And Cecil, he goes there, he talks to, you know, some of the brethren there. They don't know a whole lot about her, just that she's never set foot in any of their, in their church or any other church in the city since she showed up. Uh, Amorous Shadowstep, he's always kind of kept his distance from Holy Orders, not a big one on religion. Uh, Blaine Greystone, the, the dwarf, he's just always been kind of a stereotypical dwarf, not really antagonistic, but not really into it either. Uh, but the priest does uh, does give Cecil a bit of a tour of all their sacred arms and armor that different saints have left throughout the ages uh, there in Caprook. And uh, there's a lot of cool little bits and pieces, but in particular, there's a really spiffy shield that had come to that particular chapel about 150 years before that was used by a saint known for bringing justice and retribution to, to, to evil. Uh, story went that, you know, he, uh, he could use a shield at, as a, uh, channel his magic through the shield and that he, in his last stand, he went up against an army and fought for seven days before his body finally came, gave out. So that was kind of cool. Cecil naturally did not think at all about swiping the shield for his own use. That, that, that would not be moral. Mean, meanwhile, Ty, he went to learn sailing and, uh, well, he, he didn't learn much. He got sunburned. Moonstar, uh, he hunted around for a cartographer and found one, got got some information about the uh, information around Caprook, and maybe even found a couple of abandoned uh, islands along the coastline that might be suitable for, for the Emir's castle. Merrick, meanwhile, he was out sh- shadowing Emerelda. It took him some time, but some of his contacts was able to point her point him in the right direction since you know, she doesn't always go out a lot. Mostly she just did a ton of shopping, uh, all jewelry and stuff. She met with a couple of elves, talked about secure, you know, buying some uh, chalices from them for like a ton of money. Um, but and but that was about all he really got from shadowing her. Gash, on the other hand, you know, is helping himself to the buffet at the casino and just kind of keeping an eye out to see who he can hit on. He ends up joining a uh, a game. And uh, as it happens, Emerelda is there, just transfixed, focused on the game. They flirt a little bit. Gesh loses all of his money, again, like he does. 
and uh, there's some more flirting that goes on, and uh, next thing you know, uh, she's given Gesh her address, and uh, they make plans to get together later that night. In case you're wondering, it was very, very awkward during the gaming here. Just, you know, between Steve and Trevor. Oh, oh my. So awkward. So awkward. Anyway, they all meet up back at back at the Gilded Nettle. They kind of fill everybody in. Uh, Cecil goes along with Gesh to be his bodyguard. And they make it over to her mansion. Because uh, the plan is for Cecil to kind of interrogate some of her guards while... Gesh is uh, entertaining Emeralda. And they notice that when they walk in, there's no paintings anywhere on the walls. Just gold and gems, statues. Just, you know, they've never been in a, a, a upper-scale home like this and not seen any art on the walls. And Emeralda just doesn't care, you know. She thinks that, uh, you know, the art of Mother Earth is much more enticing than the painters of Catbrook. So after some more awkward flirting between the two of them, uh, Emeralda drags Gesh back to her, her bedchambers, and in the meantime, Cecil just kind of shoots the breeze with other guards to surreptitiously pump them for information, and, you know, kind of like what they've picked up on at this point, Emeralda loves her gold, loves her jewelry, goes shopping all the time. Like, a lot. Uh, looks down on the petty women in the city for, for wasting money on fancy clothes. But, that, you know, it's a little weird that Sometimes Emeralda will just disappear for hours on end inside of her mansion and then reappear, you know, like nothing was wrong. You know, they you know they hunt around, don't find anything, but then she just pops out and everything's fine. He doesn't, the, you know, none of the guys really know where she's from. Uh, you know, he, like, he's like, I can't pronounce it, so who cares? And, you know, just some odd things about her. You know, uh, she likes being underneath the stars, you know, going out on her yacht, maybe about once a week. But she gets ter- she gets scared if there's any you know even a slight drizzle of rain, will make her cancel uh, trips out on the uh, on the sea there, you know really hates cold water really hates it, you know her baths are almost intolerably hot, uh, in fact I know a couple of her, you know servants have gotten injured, and Emerelda you know will you know fix them up without a scar you know pay off anybody to keep keep her from getting out, you know the guard thinks a little. Mm, eccentric, but, you know, rich people, what can you do? Uh, eventually, they, you know, the guards give Cecil a tour of the mansion. You know, it's kind of more the same, lots of gold, gems, that kind of stuff. But uh, when they get to the basement, and Cecil looking around, he just gets this feeling that, you know, there's something wrong, something missing. And the guard laughs and says, like, yeah, about half the basement. Uh, you know, he says, uh, usually basements, you know, match the floor plan of the main floor, but for whatever reason, this this mansion is missing half of it. You know, he, like, knocks on the wall and says, uh, yeah, it kind of sounds like there should be something on the other side, but nothing. And, you know, they just, you know, Cecil notes it, and they just kind of continue shooting the breeze for the rest of the night until Emeralda is uh, finished with Gesh, you know, exhausting him. And, you know, he's a, and uh, so they leave, they're seen out. And once they're a respectable distance away, you know, Cecil, you know, wanting to play it safe, uses lay on hands on Gesh to cure him of any diseases he may have acquired during uh, during his activities. They make it back to the Gilded Nettle again. They fill in the party. Uh, you know, they kind of conclude that it's not... Emerald is probably definitely not a demon, because uh, demons just don't care about gold or material goods. Uh, they think maybe she could be a dragon, you know, who polymorphs, but they're not sure. 
So they hatch a plan to to break break into the mansion and see what's on the other half of the basement there. Cecil's not exactly sure this is the brightest of ideas since, you know, they were just there. But everyone assures him, oh no, it'll be fine. It's not. So anyway, the next day, uh, Moonstar finally picks up his staff of the woodlands. He's super happy about it. Uh, Ty tries negotiating for a better price on their uh, cursed uh, sword, but that doesn't get very far. And once Merrick has heard from his contacts that Emerald is out of her mansion and on the other side of town, uh, they break in. So what happened? So Moonstar sends out some pixies and you know to take care of some of the uh, security spells, and then Ty and Merrick, you know, Ty uses Dimension Door to transport them into the 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 basement Cecil had been in, then he uses it again to pop into the other half, and they promptly find themselves in the middle of the air, a hundred feet up, a hundred feet up, and they naturally start falling. And thinking thinking quickly and thinking of what Moonstar would do, Ty turns them both into bats, bat bats, not baths, bats, bats. And uh, so they will stop falling and they start flying around, try to see what's going on with their echolocation stuff, whatever bats do. And as they uh, come near the floor, uh, there's a humanoid shape down there that, that notices them. It's kind of skeletal in shape. And it kind of turns into kind of like a horror movie here where it opens its mouth and kind of a silent scream, you know, just starts freaking both of them out. They try hiding, but then some figures start rising out of this pile of massive gold that's on the floor there. It's just tons of gold and treasures and all this, you know. And so Ty and Merrick, they shoot for the top. And then they get back up to the up to the top. They turn back into the normal forms, but they're not close enough to the wall to grab hold of anything. So Merrick, you know, latches on to to Ty, hoping that Ty can teleport them out there before they hit the ground and die. And they can both feel this icy feeling of absolute dread come over them. You know, some spell being cast on them, but that they were lucky and able to resist. And Ty, you know, he basically starts praying and casts Dimension Door to take them out into the alley behind the the mansion. And thankfully it works. They get out, crash onto the ground. Ty immediately starts crying. And America's just an absolute shock <laughs> after, after, after that. Uh, Moonstar and Cecil, of course, are happy to see them again, that they're still alive. This pretty much confirms that Emerald is a dragon. Uh, they, they get Varen on the rocky-talkie, bring him up to speed. And Varen immediately questions their judgment of diving into a dragon's lair after identifying her as a dragon. Uh, from his, from from the description, you know, Varen thinks she's probably a red dragon. They're very jealous. They're famous for their jealousy, and she'll probably be on her way back because of alarms set in, you know, her horde chamber there. And he thinks that it's possible that the creature that attacked him was a lich, which is weird because they're known for being very prideful and don't not playing well for it with others. But uh, basically, Varen says, "Hey, this means the demonic princes are more are as powerful as he feared." You know, we can't provoke, you know, outright conflict. Uh, we need to focus on eroding their power structure because we don't want Caprock to get nuked. And so the party decides that they're going to intercept the Obsidian shipment from the north uh, at a town called Furwood um, to stop it there to keep it from getting to Caprock. So they decide to steal the drugs that Veritas had told them about. And Ty and Merrick are able to sneak in while Cecil and Moonstar provide a distraction with Moonstar being a puppy and Cecil being his indignant owner because, you know, the the uh the drug the drug dealer's uh, guard is not nice to uh 
to little puppies. So Ty, they sneak in because they're invisible and cool like that. And, you know, they find, they end up able to steal some drugs. And then they decide to help themselves to some, you know, a few other things. And then they also decide to steal endangered animal, an albino chim-chim on their way out. And uh, kicks up a huge storm. They sneak out. Um, and they all meet back up, and then they stop. They stop at uh, the rundown and on their way out out of town, and uh, drop off the albino chim chim with Aaron, who's like, "Oh, I've never seen an albino one before. I'm not going to skin this one and uh, you know stuff it. <laughs> that makes everybody feel better." And they also pick up Greffer. He was you know strung out in some drug den somewhere, and. Uh, He's uh, he's helping he's uh, pulling the wagon for them on their way out of town now as they head north to Furwood. So let's see what kind of trouble we can get into now. <laughs> 